0: Hi, my name is Lisa Vaynercube. Welcome to Student Sports Services at Beacon Christian School in St. Catharines, Ontario, Canada.
1: Welcome to Another Day in God's Story. This is the Every Square Centimeter Podcast, a project of Christian Schools Canada, and today we are enchanted. Mm-hmm. Sounds mystical. To have you join us as we tour this beautiful country we call Canada, celebrating and finding inspiration in the people, places, and practices in and around Christian education. In our last stop, we spent time in Paju, South Korea, with Junyoung um as we learned that Koreans make males have mandatory military service due to Korea's ongoing conflict with North Korea. We learned that Stu Speaksma gives Maverick a run for its money as the best Air Force pilot handle. We learned that Jun Young lives in the shadow of the DMZ or uh, it's called the demilitarized zone between North and South Korea. We learned that noodles means it's marriage time. And Justin seemed to know that for some reason. <laughs> we also learned that uh, as Jun Young taught us, uh, we have to replace competition with compassion and companionship as the driving ethos of education. Mm-hmm. Jun Young's graduate work in this was inspired by the fact that none of his grade 10 classmates would share their notes with him after a two week absence. And last, we learned that Eileen Brower's work with the SESBC, uh, she wrote an article as Assessment as a Gift, has made an international impact on Christian education. It was fascinating visiting with Junyoung virtually. And as I've done with every episode this season, I'm going to continue to shout out that actually I've visited South Korea. And in between the last one and this one, I actually got to meet Junyoung in person. He took time out of his holiday uh, in. South Korea, they have their Lunar um, lunar New Year, and it's a it's a significant holiday that they spend with family. And so he took time out of his day with his family to hang out with me and, and introduce me to the DMZ and talk a little bit about the history. Uh, I must say, he was just an as awesome as he was virtually. He was just such a humble and kind person, and it was so cool to meet him in person. So thank you, Justin, for introducing us. Uh, it was a great opportunity. But today, we are excited and grateful that you've joined us in St. Catherine's, Ontario. And today, we're going to refer to ourselves as a passel. Okay, and I think, this is my guess, is a St. Catherineite Pastel. Is that correct, Lisa? That
0: sounds reasonable. It sounds reasonable,
1: St. <laughs> Catherineite. Sounds good, good. Yeah. Get to know our St. Catherineite Pastel. We're going to start our podcast off with a name segment. My name is Jeremy Horlings from the Prairie Center for Christian Education, or PCCE, and alongside me from the Society of Christian Schools in British Columbia, or SCSBC, is Mr. Beef Stew himself, Darren Speaksma.
2: Hey, Pastel.
1: Hey. Hey, Darren. Darren, our prompt is tell us about a favorite concert or live performance.
2: I have not been to a lot of big concerts, but one sticks out in my memory because um, back like it's got to be 94, something like that, 94, 95, when Garth Brooks was a big deal. He played three shows at what was GM Place at the time, now Rogers Arena. And I got, I paid a staggering amount of money for (laughs) two seats that were behind, like third row from the top behind the stage sort of seats (laughs) because I needed to see Garth and I just loved Garth. And um, we went to a bar that was connected to a radio station and put our names in and then we won tickets and those tickets were half decent. So then we ended up going and just giving the bad tickets away to this father and son and went to the show. And to me, the third encore Was (laughs) was <laughs> bye bye, Miss American Pie, like drove a Chevy to the levee and the whole yeah. stadium sang it. And it was just <laughs> one of those moments where he started us off and then, you know, you got twenty five, thirty thousand 30,000 people singing it. It's uh, that's the one that lasted for me, the memories that last. Beautiful. Uh, 94. I'm guessing, that's, like I was in university. Yeah. That's all I remember. Okay. Okay.
1: So this isn't, we're not picking up, like you haven't mentioned who you went with and I, We're not picking up on Smarty Girls. No. Uh, No. No. (laughs) No. no. A little (laughs) later in life. Okay.
3: Just checking. All
1: right. And from advance in Eastern Canada, we have a guy who will respond to lefty or dusty, Justin Cook.
3: Hey, Canada. Oh,
4: Canada. Canada.
1: Justin, tell us about a favorite concert or live performance.
3: All right. Well, I love this question because I have had, uh, I, I feel like a good run at some concerts over the years. And uh, it all started, I would say, back when I was in high school, which was in kind of, if Darren's going to date us, you know, kind of 90, early 90s as well. So while he was <laughs> in college, I was in high school. <laughs> but uh, in in Barrie, Ontario, they, they have a, an outdoor venue called, well, it used to be called Molson Park. And they would have every Canada Day an outdoor uh, lineup of, of bands that were just phenomenal from kind of alternative Canada, uh, the, the alternative Canadian music scene. So like Northern Pikes, Blue Rodeo, Tragically Hip, and the list goes on and on. And we used to pay nothing actually for these tickets. It was super cheap. Two iconic memories I have from being in this massive, you know, thousands of people outdoor venue. One is if you were near the front of the of the the crowd by the stage, you'd look back and people would like in in the back would like throw other people up with blankets. You know what I mean? Like parachute Mm -hmm, style. So Mm -hmm. they would shoot. So you'd look back and you would just see these human bodies like kind of like pop up in the crowd every ran, uh, you know, randomly. And then the second thing is it was so hot and it was so dusty that anybody who was like below five foot eight was in serious trouble because they were like, you know, in the midst of the bodies and their head couldn't get enough fresh air. So they would literally start to feel a bit panicky. And oh, so you'd yeah. have to like create space to allow these people to get out. Or if you were right at the front of the stage, they would need to be pulled over the fence. They also sprayed water on the front of the crowd just to kind of refresh people and try and keep the dust down. So Molson park, amazing Canada day concert mm. concert series back in the day. I loved it.
1: D- does it still happen? Justin?
3: I don't think it does. It, it, it morphed into like during the grunge, the, the the transition into grunge, it got a little heavier and it was called Lollapalooza. So I don't know if oh, anyone yeah. remembers that series. Okay, yeah. So, uh, but I'm not sure. Lisa, do you know what I'm talking about with Molson Park? I don't think it's yeah, a venue the, anymore.
0: Yeah, there's a big uh, Boots and Hearts, if you've ever heard of Boots oh, and Hearts, okay. country music. Yeah, it's a big totally. one. Totally.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's still it's still an active venue, but I'm 50 yep. now, so okay. I just, you know, I've <laughs> yeah. moved on.
1: Well, Boots and Hearts might be more your thing. No, no. <laughs> um,
3: <laughs> eh. Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> let's let's go back to Darren for the country. Uh.
1: Okay. Oh uh, yeah. Garth. All right. Well, and as we heard off the top, and as we just heard, we're honored to be welcomed virtually into Beacon Christian School by Lisa VanderCup. Welcome. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, Lisa. Uh, can you tell us about a favorite concert or live performance?
0: Yeah, I love concerts too. So uh, I'm going way back. Uh, not quite my first one, but um, late '80s. I was around 17. Uh, My sister was traveling in Europe for about six months at the time and with a friend and they ended up in, I don't know, Stockholm, Sweden, and they met up with the band police and uh, they said, hey, you can be ticket takers. We'll pay you $50 American a night cash and um, you can come in and watch the concert uh, and then, hey, we're going to Germany next. if you want to meet us there, you can do the same oh, thing. So they actually followed uh, the police tour for, I don't know, a month or wow. so. So later that summer, I went uh, with my parents. We had a house exchange, and uh, we were there for three weeks, and I went with my sister to France. and, um, you know monaco and monte carlo and all that nice uh, went to paris and so uh in paris while we were there uh there was a concert called amnesty international don't know if you're familiar with that Mm -hmm. but uh yeah yeah, so that's a a variety of artists coming together um for awareness and so yeah they reached out to their friends that they had gotten to know cameramen and sound and said hey you got any passes for us <laughs> so you know, before the days of security, we walked right up to the gate and got the paper passes, and so we had backstage passes to awesome. this concert. Amnesty International, so amazing. Um, there was six artists there. Two were always local, um, but the rest of the lineup was Tracy Chapman, uh, Peter Gabriel, uh, Sting, and Bruce Springsteen. And it was like a 3 p.m. till 10 p.m. thing. And so with our passes, we could go backstage and we could go to their lounge and get drinks in between and wander through the dressing rooms and (laughs) sat front row. So uh, probably the awesomeness of it was lost on my 17 year old self. But uh, it was pretty amazing.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So. So Lisa, how do you actually, so you skipped over something. I wonder if there's a story there. It's like, well, we were in Stockholm and we ended up bumping into police. Like, (laughs) like how, how did you act like, yeah. Give me the, the goods on how the actual connection to police occurred. Is there a story? Well, about it
0: that? wasn't me. It was my sister. So I was only 17, but she was in her 20s. So uh, I'm not exactly sure. Maybe, I don't know how they met up, but maybe they're in town <laughs> yeah. and they happened to be there and they said, Hey, we're looking for people to take the tickets at the door. Or are you interested? So yeah. Amazing. Yeah.
1: That is awesome. Yeah. that This is going to follow that with my answers. Uh, <laughs> I, I think we should just move on. Like, the reality of Smithers, British Columbia, <laughs> and outdoor concerts, I believe Trooper came through a few years back, uh, yes. uh, Trooper. well past their prime. Um, so I really did not get to experience concerts um very much at all until my adult life, and even in my adult life, it's been few and far between. so like there's been things like Laura and I, my wife and I went to a a Tim McGraw Faith Hill concert, but we were really hoping for Tim McGraw, but really it was a Faith Hill kind of uh, coming out or returning back. Uh, Actually a really good one at at break four. They used to have this uh, Christian um, conference every once in a while in Edmonton and uh, casting crowns was a really neat experience actually. But none of like, I'm going to go recency bias and say, I'm going to go a totally totally different route in Cirque du Soleil. I know Justin and Darren, Mm -hmm. we, we went to one in Ontario I've been to a few other ones and they are, I know, not a, a band, but definitely a very cool live experience. So I'll go with probably
3: one of my favorite is a Cirque du Soleil. So awesome.
1: For this, do you guys remember what it was called? They're all called different ones. I couldn't think of what that one was called
2: Ky- Kairos or Kyrios. Or yeah. It was a K. I, yeah. I knew at one yeah. time, but when those guys were flying through the air at the end, <laughs> that's that's my only lasting memory. <laughs> was that the moment you
1: were like, I, I I just wish I was as ripped as those guys. I think I've already say something wrong. that
2: may have been part of the picture, yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: For the second half of our opening square, we have our host we'll choose from a variety of segments that all rhyme with aim. And today, as apparently it's gonna be again season three theme so far is Jeremy talking about Korea and us playing games. So Lisa has chosen. Give us a drum roll, Lisa. Game. <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> All right. For our game today, we are going to, again, try something new. Um, we are going to try a game called AI or A+. And how this is going to work is I have researched and found some A-plus limericks. Some limericks <laughs> from writers that are well-known, professionals, experts, and then what I've done is I've typed in that topic into ChatGPT and had them print out or type out a limerick that is similar in th- to that, the topic. And I'm going to ask Justin, Darren, and Lisa here as a panel to decide which one, if you're marking and you've seen these come across your desk, which one is the A And which one are you saying, <laughs> wait a minute, that's AI. You've, 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 uh, you've stolen this from somewhere. Uh, If you don't know what ChatGPT is, I would recommend go take a look, read some articles, play around with it. Um, It may be something we talk about in future episodes. But uh, for now, we're just going to dive right in. Uh, So I'm going to give two, as I mentioned. And so here is round one, okay? (laughs) Round one. Limerick, uh, this is option one. There was a small boy of Quebec who was buried in snow to his neck. When they said, are you frizz? He replied, yes, I is. But we don't call this cold in Quebec. <laughs> okay, that comes across your teacher's desk. Okay, that is limerick one. Uh, any senses right off the bat, Justin, Darren? Uh, Lisa's going to be our final, like she's going to put the final answer in. But just as, you, as you're as you listening. Uh, if a first the, grader wrote that, I'd
2: be pretty impressed. Just putting okay, that out there.
1: I'd, I will say these are not first graders. Lisa is in, works with uh, primary students with reading. So Lisa, these are probably, maybe, I'm not sure if, you know, they'd be above your students uh, skill-wise, but uh, let's go into the second one. Okay, here's here's not second one. So one of them, A+, one of them, AI. In Quebec, the winters are cold and the streets are lined with fine gold. From the old city walls to the French-language calls, it's a place with a story to be told. All right. So you've heard both limericks about Quebec, Justin and Darren. Uh, would you like to give Lisa some I'm, some coaching yeah. guidance based on your own expertise? Yeah,
3: I'm feeling confident about this one. I don't know about you guys, but I am definitely okay. leaning. Option one is A plus, and option two okay. is AI. That's
1: okay. Any any tips in there? Any any things that. Well
3: caught your attention. So I think option one played around with grammatical construction intentionally, like with the okay. the, the non-grammatically correct is verb agree when they
1: when they said are you frizz he replied yes i is yes
3: and that's, i think okay. that's intentional i th- and and i don't think okay. chat gpt doesn't make r- grammar mistakes like that that it's like no i can't do that okay
2: that's so all i know is i'm already impressed with what chat gpt does to make my life easier but if it also <laughs> does what you're describing so i'm Red with help. you i'm with you justin right. if it also does what you're describing like I need to find a different occupation. <laughs> like <Okay. laughs> to me is, we got some serious problems. So I'm with Justin on okay. on those okay. on those choices.
1: Lisa, you have final call. You can swerve. You can say, you know what, Justin Darren, don't sound like they know what they're talking about. It's or like you Family can, Feud. Um,
2: You're the one at yeah. the end at Family you, Feud okay. and You can just take the suggestions or just.
0: I do like that. I do like that authority just to throw them all out the window. Uh, However, I also was thinking the same thing. Some of the language in that second one, I thought, I don't know, that seems a little too refined for a primary student.
1: So I agree. Well, uh, we don't have, I should have brought a chime of some sort, but ding, 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 I think was a (laughs) a past sound effect. That is correct. So the group, one for one, well done. Uh, The first one, there was a small boy of Quebec. Uh, this, the writer Rudyard Kipling, famous for works such okay. as The Jungle Book, mm-hmm. yep. penned this tale of Classic. a young French-Canadian boy. So okay. congratulations. Let's move on to the second one. Yeah. Okay. There was a young lady of ride. Uh, uh, both of these are actually going to start with the exact same starting line. Okay. So I'll, I'll give you that first. There was a young lady of ride who loved to take walks by the seaside with her hat and her coat. She would stroll and she'd gloat that her hometown was such a fine hide. Okay, that is option one.
3: Okay. So well, hold on, Jeremy, is Rye a uh,
1: an actual town? Th- thank you. So R-Y-D-E-E uh, listeners, uh, our panelists, our experts here are not looking at the actual <laughs> text. And so they are hearing it just as an audio listener. And so, yes, R-Y-D-E is a, is a town. Uh, in, I believe, the UK. So, okay. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So that was option one. Option two there was a young lady of Ride whose shoestrings were seldom untied. She purchased some clogs and some small spotted dogs and frequently walked about Ride. Uh, Ride again at the end being the same as the beginning R Y D E.
2: Which to, Darren, just uh, to help our our listeners, did a quick Google, and it, yes, um, town in the Isle of Wight in England. Okay, so that's that's where Ride is.
1: Uh, Darren, I hope you're not Googling to find answers. That has been a <laughs> you've been accused of that in that's the past. True. Uh, Careful with that. Uh, guy. Uh, do you have any thoughts, Darren, to, to so lead the group? So
2: this is why I hate assessment and the 100-point scale <laughs> right here. Um, just for the record, so any time I can bring that up. Because uh, <laughs> how are you marking between these two? Um, <laughs> I do love one the cleverness a, one of One is a famed limerick. I know. I Dude, do love one the One a famed
1: limerick. Okay.
2: But the okay. rest of that limerick has me guessing. So, like, Justin, what are you thinking? You're the English guy. Come on.
3: Well, Lisa's our champion here. So I default to uh, Lisa's answer. But I was leaning towards the second option being the A-plus and the first option being the AI. But I'm not feeling as confident about no, this one as I was different. on the first one. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah.
1: I, I would say this one I when I was looking, I think thought this one would be more difficult. Lisa, do you have a sense of feeling uh, you're going to side with Justin you're going a different way? What are you thinking?
0: Well, uh, one thing that I heard was I thought an extra beat in the second line, uh-huh. and so I didn't know yeah. if the computer would put in an extra beat yep. because it would follow the uh, yes. well, follow the pattern. So I'm going to say that the second one is AI.
1: Okay. So in this case, so that what you're referring to is this: there once uh, there was a young lady of ride who loved to take walks by the seaside. Was in the first seaside, one, whereas this yeah, so that adds an extra beat. The second one was there was a young lady of Ride whose shoestrings were seldom untied. Uh, unfortunately, man, oh, as a group, <laughs> yes, uh, uh, GPT apparently throws in an extra beat in there <sighs> wow. out of nowhere, and it is now 1-1, okay? All right. Uh, just so you know, this was famed limerick writer Edward Lear who wrote The La- Young Lady of Ride, uh, Clogs and Dogs and Rock Frequently but Ride. Okay. That's going to throw you guys now. I think confidence now is this is going to be tricky. All right, number three.
2: Okay. This is the deciding one uh, to decide who wins. Do we go with that? Yeah, I, I, yeah.
1: We could we could do that. See how confident you guys are. Uh, I have four here. We'll see. Let's see if you get this one. This one's about math. Math equations can make one perplexed with variables, symbols, and text. But once you've got the knack, it's like solving a jigsaw pack—a satisfying feeling. A satisfying feeling, complexed. All right, limerick one. Limerick two, a dozen, a gross, and a score, plus three times the square root of four, divided by seven, plus five times 11, is nine squared and not a bit more. Okay. Justin and Darren, let's, uh, let's hear your first initial thoughts. Justin, sounds like you got some thoughts. I
3: do have some thoughts. I think ChatGPT is going to generalize and so I felt okay. like the first one was generic and personally kind of okay. bland, just kind of generic. Okay. The second one was very specific about a question. It was, it was spicier. It was punchier. Okay. Second one's a plus first one thumbs down on chat GPT.
1: Okay. I uh, just want to keep us updated. I believe Justin's <laughs> been, been been coaching us right every time so that we got to take his his <laughs> thoughts heavy right no now. no pressure here. Darren, no pressure darren what do you think
2: well i'm at the stage now where i realize i hate games and, <laughs> <laughs> um, you always you always win them what are you talking know, about uh, but like i'm at the stage now where i actually don't care which one was an actual famous poet and which one because the second one with the equation was more clever and i like that one better right so yeah Because marking is completely and totally subjective. I don't care who wrote that one. I'm giving it an A plus. Okay.
1: Love it. Lisa, what are you thinking?
0: Ah, I wondered about the rhyming words in number one. Do they all Mm -hmm. rhyme one, two, and the last one?
1: Yeah. So perplexed, hexed. And then the last one was complex.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. All right. I thought I heard an act in there. So, um, but I definitely would not go against the group another time. So I'm going (laughs) to go number two is a plus. Yeah. Yes.
1: Okay. Uh, British mathematician. I might say this wrong. Lee Mercer was the master of both wordplay and numbers, set this limerick out as an equation. So the second one is an actual qu- equation in a limerick form, and that is an A plus yes. math and language art. Nice, so well done, group. Nice. I
2: think two out of three is pretty good, and I like winning, so uh, I say we call the game here. Don't we don't, really to call to we there. don't want to draw. That's
0: right. Congrats!
1: Congratulations. I will say to listeners um, a – for, for those that are working with uh, ChatGPT or thinking about how is this inf- influencing my classroom, uh, Edutopia just had an article out that uh, said some ideas for using ChatGPT in middle and high school classes. And one of them was to get students to spot the computer essay. So here's a creative way to use ChatGPT, similar to what we just did. Um, so John Warner, blogger for Inside Higher Ed and author of Why They Can't Write, Killing the Five Paragraph and Other Necessities, reminds us that these tools that are rewritten are only rearranging words and applying feeling, heart, or other emotional components. The results lack energy. So in a language arts classroom, you might describe such a piece of writing as having a weak voice. Justin, you used some Mm -hmm. of that language. Lisa, you mentioned that, right? So uh, what they can do for a playful exercise, share two or three pieces of human writing, similar to what we just did, from the past year or two, and slip in an example from ChatGPT and have students discuss what makes these examples human or decidedly not. Nuance, passion, and perhaps even fallibility which uh Lisa, is why you went with the one is that you thought hey there's a, there's actually a little bit of a air maybe that and so perhaps uh, that will be clues that students can investigate so anyway an idea for teachers that are wondering about uh working on writing with students in chat gpt congratulations team you are all winners yeah,
3: yeah. nice game
1: Listeners. jeremy great game hey you win and you lose some when it comes to make, me making up games. A plus, uh, buddy. Both, a plus. Uh, thank, <laughs> thank you. Actually, AI came up with this game. So uh, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> uh, listeners, we would love uh, for you to tell us a little bit about how you're dealing with ChatGPT. Uh, maybe you got some creative ideas. Send them in. Uh, we are planning to do a Campfire episode coming. We, we would love to have some emails or some tweets that we could uh, to talk through. So send them our way. But right now, we're going to transition from our opening square to the part of our podcast where we learn a little about places in Canada and celebrate the people and practices in Christian education. But Before we do, here's a word from our sponsor.
4: Hi, my name is Annette Rignares, and I teach grade six at Cambridge Christian School. In our social studies unit called Reaching Beyond Our Borders, we learn about various NGOs involved in disaster relief and development work. For years, we've included Edudeo and the amazing work they do to promote Christ-centered education for children worldwide. Last year's class was so on fire that they insisted on raising funds to support the annual campaign, which focused on girls' education in Zambia. By holding a yard sale last spring, students not only learned about Edudeo's impact around the world, but also gained skills in organization, accounting, and community engagement. This year, you're invited to join the Made to Thrive campaign to support Edudeo's partners in Ethiopia. For more information, contact Lori Koning by emailing schools at edudeo.com. As we heard
1: off the top, Lisa teaches at Beacon Christian School in St. Catharines, Ontario, Canada. Justin, I'm curious, what did you find out in your extensive research of St. Catharines?
3: Okay, it's exciting to go to St. Catharines. First of all, sit, the city of St. Catharines and Niagara region is the traditional home to many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit peoples. The land is the traditional territory of the Haudenosaunee and Anishinaabe peoples, many of whom continue to live and work in the area today. Team, or, or should I say Passel? Oh, yeah. Passel you is should. that right, Jeremy? Yep, yep, Passel. You know how much I love highlighting the impact of water on the communities we visit and their development? You know, is it a river town, lake town, coastal town, that kind of thing? Well, in this case, St. Catharines is a little bit of both. It's a lake town and a river town and a canal town. We'll get get to that in a sec. Embarrassment of riches. Oh, beautiful. It's nestled on the shore of Lake Ontario, just east. No, just west of the Niagara River, which forms the border between Canada and the United States and was, and settled by loyalists, those who stayed loyal to Britain during the American war of independence. So this is kind of right around 1700s, late 1700s, right around the time of the war of independence and Canada is not yet formed. So, St. Catharines is a canal town. That's what I'm, I'm saying. That's what it is. It's canal town. Back in 1825, there was a canal war brewing. Wow. The long and winding Erie Canal was rooting Lake Erie traffic into the United States, moving east. Mm. And the British North Americans read pre Canada Canadians wanted to move exports through Canada instead. So they made the much shorter and more efficient Welland Canal to connect Lake Erie to Lake Ontario. And so that goes straight north from Lake Erie up parallel to the Niagara River, which is the Niagara Falls right. kind of iconic. And it's, it's, it's just west of Niagara River. So it cuts through Lake Erie up into St. Catharines which is at the northern end as it enters Lake Ontario. So, Canal Town. But it's also a famous destination of another iconic route. Harriet Tubman was based in St. Catharines for several years as the final stop on the Underground Railroad. Do you want to see for yourself? Visit the iconic British Methodist Episcopal Church Salem Chapel on Geneva Street. It's designated historic site and Harriet Tubman herself worshiped there. And many people go on pilgrimage on the Underground Railroad. They come to the church to retrace the work of the great abolitionists. Amazing. Very cool. Okay, a few other random facts. It's uh it's a garden city. I don't know, uh, Lisa. Do you refer to it as the Garden City? Maybe nobody in Saint Catharines does this, but it's it's on the She's Bruce. Nodding. Th- yeah, that's true. It's on the Bruce Trail, and we've discussed this before, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Uh, and General Motors used to have the prestige of being the largest employer of Saint Catharines, but that's actually been replaced kind of a rust belt city, like many kind of Canadian or North American cities on the Eastern seaboard. It's been, I don't Lisa, I'm shocked by this, but the district school board of Niagara is the biggest employer in St. Catharines. So the, the local public school K 12 okay. DSB, wow. which has its home base in St. Catherine's. I think that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, uh, As you guys may be aware, St. Catharines is nestled in the middle of Canada's most popular wine region, the Niagara Peninsula. One website, Darren, I want you to cue on this. One website calls it the heart and soul of Canada's wine production. I tend to agree. Darren, you agree?
2: (laughs) Older. (laughs) Fair, fair. (laughs) Skeleton of the uh, heart and soul. Mm. (laughs) <laughs> He's pushing back. There's a
1: bit much. We, like Lake City, Canal City, River City, Garden City, Wine City,
2: Cut right?
0: like here. Sounds so no, great. Let
2: me let me let me rephrase that. Heart and soul, sure, but not the personality. Whoa, 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 whoa! In front of Lisa, you say that? <laughs> so wait, I, I got, I got a
3: brother in Kelowna, which is yeah. in the Okanagan region. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm digging here because uh, the Okanagan region is another pretty, you know, iconic wine region. But I, you used older. I think in terms of wine, we call that more mature. Personally, <laughs> but that's just me. That's just me and Lisa over here in Eastern Well-aged. Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. You asked, just for the record. (laughs) (laughs) Lisa, how did you end up in St. Catharines?
0: I was actually born and raised here. Uh, Yeah. Interesting. I've never thought of myself as a homebody. Uh, when I was growing up, I was never home. You know, home for supper and sleeping, and that was it. Um, but uh, yeah, here I find myself a street over from where I grew up, and I'm oh, really? teaching at the school where I went to school. And so, uh, yeah, I guess I am a bit of a homebody.
2: Yeah, it's fun. Well, that's cool,
1: uh, Lisa. How long have you been part of Christian education? You mentioned that you're at the school that you went.
0: Yeah, so uh, I've been part of Christian education for most of my life. Uh, I had, went to um, elementary at um, Beacon Christian School, which was formerly called Calvin Memorial, and the high okay. school as well. Um, and uh, yeah, then from there, I took a bit of a winding route uh, to become a Christian educator. Um Back in the day, uh, when I was at Dunn High School, there wasn't a whole lot of guidance of what to do and where to go. So I thought, oh, I wouldn't mind being a teacher, but uh, didn't really have a whole lot of um, people, you know, supporting me and where to go. My parents were like, yeah, great, go somewhere. Wonderful. But as far as <laughs> where to go, so uh, sort of navigating those things on my own. And my sister was a few years older than me, off to university in Waterloo, and um uh, that just looked like a lot of fun. You know, a lot of people there and a lot of great things going on. So I just knew I wanted to go somewhere. And uh, yeah, and perhaps not the wisest move. I I went to University of Guelph and uh, thought, yeah, maybe I'll be a teacher. But uh, at that time, uh, it was really hard to get in teacher's college. It was the early 90s. And Mm -hmm. uh, I started a, a degree in psychology. And partway through my first year, I thought, I'm going to end up with a degree in psychology and have, you know, not a whole lot to do with it. So uh, Mm. around that time I heard about a program at Niagara college uh, where you could um, become an educational assistant. So I moved there and uh, spent two years at Niagara college and became an EA and um, spent nine years working for the Catholic school board in that role. So, Mm. okay. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I always thought even in that first year of university thought, you know, if I want to go back, I will go back at night or whatever and finish it. So, Um, yeah, so I went back and plugged away at my degree and, uh, finished my, at Brock and finished my degree while I was working as an EA and, um, yeah, in 2001, I had a a three year old, no, a two year old at the time. And so it was sort of now or never. Right. So if if I'm Mm going to do this, I got to do it now. So, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I went to teacher's college for a year at Brock and, uh, graduated in 2002 uh, graduated on Tuesday and had my son on Saturday. And, oh! Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, and then um, six months later, a 32% position came up at Beacon in uh, January of 2002. So that was very providential for me. So that was a great opportunity for someone with a, a three-year-old and a baby. So, and mm-hmm. I've been there ever since.
2: Nice.
3: I know this is not necessarily the uh, the focus of the episode, but the way you're balancing family life and work life, Lisa, is just so common. I, I think that's such an important thing for us to at least yeah. celebrate or acknowledge. That's amazing. And I just think of the way you're in leadership now in terms of your career and your work. I just want to highlight that. And mm-hmm. thank you for, for the work you've done to juggle beautifully both home and work. Um, that's amazing.
0: Thanks for Lisa, t- that.
3: tell us a bit about your classroom. And and maybe I should put classroom in quotes or, uh, yeah. Like tell us about your role maybe in your classroom in that sense.
0: Yeah. So I, um, I taught grade two for about 13 or 14 years. I think it's uh, one of the best kept secrets out there. I love that grade. (laughs) Um, But with my my background in um, student support services, I always sort of had a a desire to return to that. So uh, I moved into the student support services department uh, at Beacon. This is my fourth year in that role. So uh, our school has expanded uh, quite a lot and um, we expanded the program and I was uh, excited to jump into the K through three portion of it, um, so I teach um, K to three early literacy is um, a big chunk of my job, and um, yeah, mostly literacy. Um, I do a little bit of admin work, um, and now I'm doing some PD leading as well. So,
1: curious, you mentioned, uh, you know, you grew up in in the same is it the same building, Lisa? Are you in the same building or is it cha- okay? So, I'm curious, what is something? that you had to do at school back in that building when you were a uh, student that you would never ask students to do now?
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, I actually love my school days. Uh, I, you know, social was fun. Academics were fine. So Mm. I, I have really good memories about, uh, about school. Um, I I used to have peanut butter sandwiches on brown bread every day in my Snoopy lunch pail. So that was definitely a low light uh, that I would never want to wish on anyone. Um, But back in the in this mid 70s and 80s, if you're a Canadian student, perhaps you can relate to this. um, There was something called the Canada Fitness Award Program. Yes. Yes. Don't bring that up. (laughs) (laughs) And so this was a program developed by the Canadian government to check out the fitness levels. um, And this happened during gym class every year. Uh, There was a bunch of subtests like uh, sprinting. Uh, (laughs) There was 800 meters, 1600 meters, 2400 meters, depending on your age, sit ups, standing long jump. Um, And then based on that, you either got a... uh, Award of excellence, a gold, a silver, a bronze, or a participation. Um, and so this was every year. And so, you know, back then I was, you know, fairly athletic and in shape, whatever, it's fine. But that flexed arm
2: hang yes. was just the death of me. Even, oh, man, the flexed arm hang. Like, I don't even. <laughs> every year every
0: year so you basically have to hang there in a pull-up position and they time you until you basically fall off onto (laughs) the floor so you know I could do all the other things no problem but every year I could only get the gold because I couldn't pass the flex arm hang and my friend said well I just put my chin up there and you know use my throat and chin so practically strangling myself by hanging on my chin trying to you know get to the certain amount of seconds but yeah no go so now, you know, everybody your, had their little badges and I think I burned all of mine out
2: of uh, did, did you like did your teacher let you put your chin on the th- yes what
0: well and I think we were timing each other and we were probably so honest that we didn't lie because I feel like we timed each other and then had to report back to the teacher oh, so, yeah, yeah. Okay,
2: if I had that loophole I would have got the gold <laughs> for sure <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah de- Listeners, if you could see Darren's face, he's mortified by just, just absolutely mortified by the uh, allowance of this uh, chin. Uh, Darren, the competitive part of you started early, sounds like.
2: Well, and like I worked hard, but I'm not an athlete and I hated the Canadian <laughs> test of basic skills. Like it was like, or whatever that thing was called. Like we had a bunch of different standardized <laughs> tests. Uh-huh, but I yeah. remember the flexed arm hang. Sit ups were bad enough, but the flex arm, I could do the running.
0: It was a killer. Flex, oh yeah. And in fact, when I was googling it, trying to find the the name, because I also went to Canada mm-hmm. to test a big six skills, but that was the fill in the bubble test. Yes. Totally. Um, the tragically hip refers to this in one of their songs. About, <laughs> awesome. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs>
3: what was it called? <laughs> wow. Yeah. It it's
0: called? Um, it's called fireworks, uh, and it says uh, next to your comrades in the national fitness program, caught in some eternal flex arm hang, dropped into the awesome. mat in a fit of laughter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <That is true. laughs>
4: so okay, I'm that not alone in this. It. I'm that
0: not alone.
2: It.
1: There's, there's no way chat GPT is dropping that lyric. In there.
2: <laughs>
3: this is oh, the truly iconic thing. This is the iconic Canadian moment in the podcast for sure. I, <laughs> yes. I actually Googled the actual badges, like the, yes. the sewn badges right. and it yes. just brought a motion back up oh, to the man. surface. Uh, oh, uh-huh.
2: yeah. I love the cleansing ritual of burning them all. <laughs> I'm not sure what I did with them, but I yeah. do love that as a cleansing ritual. <laughs> Now I know we weren't planning on getting together and talking about the trauma of flexed arm (laughs) hang, but, um, like you've, you've talked about some passions, uh, for you and your role. Um, what would you say is a story you're trying to invite students into and maybe tie that together? I've got this passion area and I'm inviting students into this way of being. Can you tie those two things together for us?
0: Yeah, I think, um, my passion is uh, seeing our students reach their potential. and so um, I'm really excited about uh, language arts and reading and um, and reaching my students that way. And the students now that I see every day, uh, school is hard for them. Mm-hmm. They have to work really, really hard. Um, and a lot of the of the day is hard for them. And so um, yeah, just just inviting them into a place where, um, they can experience joy where they can work hard um, but also where they can see where they fit into god's story and see that they were created just as god intended them to be there's you know they're not less than they're not um, you know something that they shouldn't be but um, that they're part of god's story
2: mm. yeah i love that i there's a lot of hope in what you're saying and you're trying to can you talk a little bit about like do you share the hope that i hear in your voice with the students can you talk about your hope for each of these students because i feel i was one of those kids Mm -hmm. so i i feel you again and yeah can you talk to us a little bit about how your hope for the students is tied together and how you share that with the students
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, well we've been working on some uh, teaching for transformation things and part of that is writing our deep hope uh, and so we use the language our deep hope is. Uh, so, my deep hope, um, our deep hope is that we will establish ourselves in God's story, understand that we are His creation. And respond with agents of action. And yeah. I love the idea of God's uh, ongoing story, the creation, mm-hmm. fall, redemption, restoration idea. And I think that's something I didn't understand in my early years. Um, you know, the Bible was the Bible and we were sort of just the little after part kind of minor players. Uh, and just the idea that it's just one big ongoing story and that we all have a role in that. So um you know, i wanting my students to see their role and see uh, their opportunities that they have. Um, there's a danger in them feeling less than, um, but I want them to see they are part of God's story um, and that God has a calling for them, and therefore they can respond. Every day they have uh, choices and chances uh, to take up something in God's kingdom.
3: Well, you know that fills my heart with gladness, Lisa, so <laughs> thank you for that. Um, are there specific, so I, we've mentioned to listeners in the past that we kind of frame these questions actually with the creation, fall, redemption, restoration paradigm. And so I'm kind of shifting us into fall, into the brokenness that we experience in education. And I, I, I'm wondering if if you could articulate how you experience specific parts of schooling that get in the way of your your ability to meet the ideal, the, the God story that you just highlighted.
0: Yeah, I think, um, I mean, one thing is how we group students, um, Mm. we group students between January 1st birthday and December 31st birthday, and, uh, we make that cohort, right? So, um, we have to, I suppose, decide some way, but, you know, within that cohort is a large spectrum. Um, there can be two to three years difference in Mm -hmm. academics. There could be, you know, two years difference in social skills and maturity, um, a whole variety of learning preferences and things like that. So, um, you know, I don't know the logistics of how it works and I know some people do this well, but, um, I just think, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could group students throughout the day based on various criteria. So if I'm working on, um, students who need to learn their letters, I will pull a few from kindergarten and a few from grade two and, um, and you know, that's possible, but just the idea that it's good and it's, normal and it's embraced as, um, as a way to just meet our students and their, and their needs.
2: Yeah. I love that. I, and I just want to add to your list of other ways we can group kids. Like what if some of the times we're grouping them by interest and Mm -hmm. some of them we're actually grouping them by social, like we just, they need to spend some time with people they're comfortable with. Eh. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So just compelled by that. Yeah. You struck a chord with me and obviously there's, there's some hard stuff there, but there's also, um, I can hear in your voice even just this heart for, for students and seeing them succeed. And you've articulated that. And of course, where I'm coming from, that's, a, that's God at work in the lives of these kids. Can you talk a little mm-hmm. bit more about that idea of how are you, if I could be so bold, trying to be sort of God's hands and feet? in the lives of these students? And how do you see God at work in, in the life of the school, in the lives of these students?
0: Uh, so it's a neat opportunity because I get to meet with my students either one-on-one or in small groups of two, three, four. Uh, so it really gives me an opportunity to connect with my students. Um, it might be a short time of 20 minutes a day or half an hour, but uh, I can really develop a relationship that's a bit different than in a group of, of 25. Um, and as I mentioned, school can be really hard for these kids. So, uh, my room is a place where, um, I hope they just feel a place of, um, welcome, um, of success, uh, and that, um, there's some joy there and a place where they can succeed and see their growth and, um, just see what they're learning, uh, and just celebrate the gifts that they have and the growth that they've
1: made. Lita um, you, you've mentioned a couple of times that stu- the school is hard. It's hard for students. I'm curious, uh, and and I don't know if it's tied in 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 any way to your own schooling or if it's you, you were an EA. Did you say for ten, nine years? Mm-hmm, is that
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah? So that experience is being of being in the EA potentially. Like where where do you where does that empathy come from that you just recognize that this is hard for kids and you want to try to um, remove barriers? Where, yeah, curious where where that heart comes from.
0: Yeah. I, for me, school was relatively easy. Uh, and so, you know, as a child, you don't understand always what other children are experiencing, you know, as you're doing the round robin, which we used to do in reading, like, how do they not know that word is his, you know, Mm -hmm. we, you know, and so Mm -hmm. that, that was ignorance on my part as a, as a child. Right. Um, and, and sometimes, um, you know, people see, um, people who struggle as, um, lazy or you know not wanting to put in the effort or um, you know they're, they're just not trying hard they could they don't care um, and um, just over the years of working with students so closely and just seeing their hard work um, you just come to realize how hard this is for them. And I I just think, you know, it's like me going into a chemistry class in university and somebody saying you have to go first to chemistry for four hours and then to uh, physics for another four hours at a level two university, right? I mean, that would be torturous. I would hate Mm -hmm. that. It would be hard. And how would you go and do that with joy in your face every day, right? And so when I can see my students, um, you know, still having that joy and still putting in that effort. Um, I just celebrate that and, uh, appreciate that.
3: Hmm. Lisa, I want to drill down a little bit just in your leadership on literacy and, um, guys, we've had, a, a a report that came out in Ontario called the right to read report, which was actually spurred on by a human right complaint. Um, And I guess I'm just wondering if we can get even more specific, Lisa, to we're talking about challenges, we're talking about successes, we're talking about primary uh, literacy development. Can you get a bit more specific about, you know, you're you're well into your career and then all of a sudden the science of reading and and some struggles in or some... some condemnation, actually, of the way education was trying to teach literacy came out in Ontario. Can you, can you just paint that a little bit from your very specific context at Beacon Christian School?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I sort of fell into this world of the science of reading um, just over two years ago now. And, you know, I often say it's like falling down the rabbit hole because I just didn't even know this whole world existed. And mm. uh, once you start learning about one piece, you see that there's a whole nother piece, you know, you need to learn about. Mm. Um, and for me, like I said, I taught grade two for many years and I love the reading process. Um, and, and for some students that came pretty easily, um, but always wanting to do the best for those students that it was tough for. Uh, And then when I moved to student support services, I really just wanted to um, just research the best way that I could help my students. So that led me to this whole world of the science of reading. Uh, And the science of reading is basically a bunch of interdisciplinary bodies coming together and um, using research over the last 20 years to say, hey, this is what we now know about the brain and how it learns to read. Uh, And as I started reading, it just made sense. It was just the missing piece that I haven't had uh, in my education for the last 25 plus years. Uh, And so it just made sense to me. And the more I read, the more I wanted to know. So um, and it makes such sense for the students that I work with because uh, we're explicitly giving them the tools. We're telling them what they need to know. We're letting them practice what they need to practice um, and, and I've seen a lot of, uh, great growth with what we've taken on.
3: Mm. And can I ask, that's amazing, Lisa. Can I ask one more follow-up question? Because of the tyranny of time and the pressures of time in terms of us being educators, any change, you know, uh, professional learning change initiative is tough. And you've taken the lead as it relates to shifting literacy instruction in the primary at Beacon. And I wonder if you could just talk a bit about kind of your successes or struggles as it relates to inviting your entire staff to join you in improving literacy instruction at Beacon. Can you talk a bit about that?
0: Mm-hmm. So uh, two years ago, our uh, administration and board um, decided to hire a 20% lead literacy position uh, to lead professional development in the area of literacy and review our curriculum. Um, And anyone interested in this was asked to put a proposal uh, forward of what you would envision uh, this looking like. So uh, I was interested and... um, I put a proposal in and uh, sort of a side story of my vision for professional development uh, related to an experience I had in 2007. Back in 2007, um, two of my colleagues and myself, we were the grades one, two, and three teachers at the time, um, were connected with a teacher, uh, Dr. Arlene Gerson. She was looking for a school to uh, do her PhD study. And her PhD study was uh, how does long term effective change happen in professional Mm. development? Mm. Um, And so she was the reading consultant in the District School Board of Niagara, so she needed an independent school. And So very providentially, we ended up connecting with her, and she asked us if we'd do this year-long process with her on our own time after school. Um, And so she spent a little bit of time in the beginning telling us a little bit about reading, but then said, what do you want to learn next? And so uh, we said, oh, we'd love to learn more about assessment. So she came back. She spent a session with us. uh, We learned about assessment. We had to write a goal before we left. uh, And then she came back again. We would... Kind of debrief on how it went and so on, um, and over the course of that year, uh, the three of us grew so much, and mm. um, it affected our, you know, our teaching so much, uh, and so that was really an amazing experience for all of us to go through. Um, mm. You know, just that cycle of continuing to try something new, uh, to see how it went, um, reflect on that touch base with your colleagues, um, and then learn something new and try again. So, Mm. um, that was really an amazing thing that, um, yeah, had a lot of, um, tentacles even into Christian schools in Ontario down the road. But, um, so when I was thinking about what I would like to see, um, that was really at the heart of my idea now for 2023, this is not a new thing anymore. Right. So, um, you know, back then it was, PD, you parachute in, you learn something new, you go back to your school Monday, all jazzed up, you try it, it doesn't work, and then you just go back to what you've always done because that's what you know, (laughs) right? right? So uh, 2023, we know better now. We know that we need professional learning communities and uh, this idea of um, setting yourself a goal, um, having a little bit of um, direction yourself in what you want to learn and what you need to learn, uh, trying it, seeing what works, what doesn't, and then reporting back. So and I know um, that whole idea of reporting back, there were so many times it'd be like, oh shoot, it's Monday and she's coming Wednesday. And I said, I was going to do this and I better do it tomorrow because she's coming. Right. There's that accountability piece too. So, mm. um, and just allowing ourselves to be vulnerable and saying, you know, this absolutely bombed and I'm not really sure why. Right. And, mm. and, and your colleagues saying, Hey, well, this maybe wasn't the best design or something like that. So truly having a community for that. Mm. So, yeah. So that was part of my proposal. And, um, in sort of the the bargaining thing, I shot high because I figured they wouldn't go for it. And I said, I'd mm-hmm. love to have nine sessions, you know, uh, two, um, one in the summer and one on a PD day. And, and then um, seven afternoons where the teachers have um, time away from their classroom. So a supply teacher comes in. Um, so that's, um, yeah, seven times a year and four professional learning communities. Uh, and to my delight, they said, OK, let's do it. So, um, awesome. so every. Every Wednesday afternoon I meet with another group Uh, and last year we plugged through some of the science of reading and what that might look like in our various classrooms Um, and then this year we're working on writing.
2: Amazing that uh, yeah I really appreciate your story. We're, We're in the middle of what some people dub the reading wars here on the west coast. Yeah. And which is part of that journey and I sometimes wish that someone could Tie an anchor to the pendulum and pull it, you know, somewhere near the middle, and we could take a little bit from both sides. But that seems to be a real tension because that there's a lot that the science of reading has to offer. um, Yeah, that's true.
0: The true science of reading really doesn't have a pendulum swing because it mm-hmm. takes all those sides. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, but uh, certainly there's ideas mm-hmm. and experiences and uh, there's a whole rabbit hole of why this happened uh, that you can dig into too. But uh, mm. Yeah, as
2: sort of as we close. Do you mind just sort of giving us a story? And I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but I'm kind of alluding to not everybody is as jazzed about the science of reading <laughs> as you were when you first read about it can you tell me can you take us through a story of transformation in one of your colleagues
0: yeah they all have had their own journeys and all things that they're wanting to learn um i think at first it feels overwhelming and um i know from some of my colleagues last year um halfway joking but it's like oh great we're gonna meet together and hear what i'm doing wrong again this time (laughs) right so They were joking, but, you know, uh, as we're learning new things, you reflect on your own practice and say, and I have that too. I have my own guilt of all those years I taught and things I I could have done better had Mm -hmm. I known what I know now. Right. So, I mean, that's valid, but. Um, over the course of the year and by taking little bites, right? So, okay, now we're going to try this assessment. And then when you do that, you say, oh, look, but now I know this about my kids, but what do I do about it? And that opens the question themselves. And so, okay, well, let, how about some of these things? Try one of those. And then they tried that and it's like, but how do I do that when I have a whole class? So then we mm-hmm. looked into um, small group work and mm-hmm. setting that all up, but that looks overwhelming. Well, let's look at some of the frameworks you can do. And um, by the end of the year, uh, there was a transformation into this year of, of what that looks like and just the willingness to even though it sounds like a lot in the beginning just try one thing between now and next time try That's another beautiful.
2: thing yeah, yeah I love that thank you
1: the, we use the language of commit to try and not where people are trying not perfection it, uh, Lisa is there anything that uh, we didn't ask you that you wanted to talk about uh, before we close this this time off
0: uh, yeah I just I, I love the idea of investing in professional development and I think Uh, Sometimes it's one of the things when our budgets are tight that we might want to cut back on. Uh, And I just see the value of it in in various ways um, that I've experienced over the years Uh, when we've done um, restorative justice time or teaching Mm. for transformation or our our reading. um, You know, just the value of being able to have that time to meet with your colleagues, not at 345 when you're exhausted and thinking about what's for dinner, but having that time carved out um, and I, I can't remember where I read it, but you know the three points that you really need for good PD around language arts, but I think it's all of them, all PD. Um, you need the people, uh, people who are willing to try, who are willing to learn, um, who can you know, have the energy and excitement to try this. Uh, you need the knowledge, so you need the time to build your knowledge. So why are we doing what we're doing, right? Just don't mm-hmm. hand me something and ask me to do it, but, but let's learn together why we're doing it. Um, but then also the, the resources. So, um, you know, if we're teaching science of re- from the science of reading perspective, I need materials for that. I can't have this new knowledge and use stuff from the 1980s that just doesn't work, right? Mm-hmm. Or I can't do these flex projects without um, some of the resources that I need to get out and do that. So um, just that investment in what it is and the payout that you get over time.
1: Beautiful. Thank you, Lisa, for sharing your journey. Uh, We're going to transition to something we have been calling our Celebration of Learners. On the Every Square Centimeter website, we have an ever-growing gallery that we call our Celebration of Learners. It's populated with wonderful people that have joined us on our podcast, shared a bit of their journey, and have been forced to listen to us read off nice things about them from someone usually they work with. And today... We have a letter from Ralph Pott, principal at Beacon Christian School. Justin, I believe you are going to read that for us. I
3: am indeed. All right. From Ralph. Mrs. Lisa Vanderkube. This is vintage Ralph, by the way. <laughs> In professional hockey, a great compliment to a player of high character, integrity, and ability is to call them a glue guy. A player who can fill a variety of roles as needs arise and provide quiet leadership without attracting undue attention to themselves. A team-first player. If Beacon Christian were an NHL team, Lisa Vanderkup would be the glue guy. She can play on all four lines in a pinch, can capably fill in in kindergarten, primary, junior, or intermediate classes, She wears an A as part of the staff's leadership team. She kills penalties, plays on the power play, and co-leads the school's student support services. She hosts staff socials, runs student fundraisers, and models a genuine love for learning. Over the last 18 months, Lisa has led the teaching staff in LAVA sessions. Equipping the students – that's an acronym, by the way – equipping the students to rethink and redesign the school's language arts program using the science of reading and the writing revolution. LAVA stands for Language Arts Vanderkub Adventures. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to give a guess, and that was not (laughs) going to be it. (laughs) And each week on Wednesday afternoon, a group of Beacon teachers learn from the master. The staff have described Lisa's thorough professional development program at Beacon as the best PD I have ever had since I started teaching 15 years ago. With no offense intended towards anyone else on this podcast. <laughs> 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 Thank you, Ralph. Ouch, but I deeply appreciate the subtle dig.
0: Nice work. Uh, awesome. That is awesome. That is classic Ralph. You're right. The, uh, the sports reference. And uh, he does have a way with words. I'm really blessed to be with part of such a great team. Uh, Our administration team is amazing too. So thank you.
1: Lisa, if anyone wants to connect with you and maybe uh, have you come and do PD at their school, how could they do that?
0: (laughs) Uh, Email's good. uh, Lvandercube at beaconchristian.org. Awesome.
1: Listeners, we would love your involvement in our podcast. We would also have an email address, every square centimeter, RE, centimeter, RE, the Canadian way at gmail.com. We're loving, we would love to have feedback, you know, send us about, tell, tell us about an educator, maybe at your school. That's doing amazing things. That's the glue guy, glue gal, team captain, whoever that may be. Uh, just share antidote or pose a question that you're wondering about uh, and have us in all of our wisdom, try to solve it. Um, we're also, I think, at about nine uh, uh, ratings on our, on our Apple podcast, which is wonderful. But you're listening right now and you haven't rated us. So go, just do it right now. Just give us a five-star rating. Tell us something <laughs> about us and we would appreciate it. Before we go, Darren uh, is going to send us off with a blessing. Um, but Lisa, I want to thank you for hosting our, our PASL. Um, does anyone know what, a, what group of animal... Animals form a passel. Any guesses right off the bat. Lisa's tapping her chin, wondering. Justin looks like maybe he's Darren's shaking his Justin. What do you got? You got something.
3: Well, I I literally have nothing. Not only do I not know the animal, I've never even heard of a passel before. Like this is like okay. the most unknown collective noun of all time. Okay. So if I'm just trying to rack my brain for local. It sounds so nice. I want to go to mean things. I don't know why I had rat in mind, but you know, I passel okay. sounds like I'm going gerbil. I'm going to oh, passel the gerbil.
1: gerbils. Yeah.
3: Okay. Uh
1: uh Lisa or Darren, who's next? Go ahead, uh, Lisa.
0: Yeah, we do have rats in the city. That was a while ago. Um I feel like we have a lot of squirrels, but I feel like you've done that before. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and We have a lot of Canadian geese that are just messy. So I don't mm-hmm. think that name actually applies to them, but I'm just going to go with Canadian geese.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know that they're there. So that's at least, uh, we have had guesses where the animal wasn't from the local area. So that, that's a helpful, which I'm good for
2: good just story. for the record.
1: Darren has, <laughs> yeah, he's thrown out because some, if I have no
2: idea then it better be ridiculous. So at least you get a chuckle. <laughs> <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> thanks. Thanks for because, that. Because, because all I can think of, like, I, I kind of thought geese and I thought, you know, cardinals and blue jays, cause I, know, they have a history with Southern Ontario, but those would all be flocks theoretically. So, I, I, am, sometimes, and, I
1: sometimes go past the first. Uh, right. some a lot of animals have more than one, that's but, what I'm yeah. Going with. Yeah,
2: so and I know it's not wombats, so uh, <laughs> yeah, right. or, a, not, or
3: echidnas,
2: yeah, so it's not echidnas, wombats, cardinals, or blue jays, or geese, I'm guessing. So, I am going to go with <laughs> how like, many
1: animals this guy gets.
2: <laughs> do you like do you guys have like mink or anything like that? Like, I any of those sort of ermine or mink or anything like that? No, this is not phone a friend. You can't throw Lisa <laughs> under the bus. <laughs> Cheap. All right. So then I'm going with, that's a fancy like deer. Okay. <laughs> a fancy <Something> real, deer. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a uh, fancy name for a group of deer.
1: Well, this is one of those ones where uh, I was quite intrigued to find that these actually live in Canada. And so they're possums. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. Do you, mm-hmm. Lisa, do you have any experience with
2: the possums?
0: Uh just as roadkill um okay. yeah,
3: yeah. Mm-hmm. Northern True. BC to
2: their a factor. Yeah.
0: I always
3: okay. go with alliteration and today I didn't. What was mm. I thinking? Could have. Uh,
1: yeah. Uh yep, an apostle is an opossum. Uh so a couple of questions for the group around opossums. Uh each of you can throw in one guess on this little trivia question. Uh, these I got about three questions here. Opossums kill these pests by the thousands. Possums don't have the greatest reputation, so I'm trying to shed some positive light on the possums. They're good for killing these pests. Give me a pest that you think they kill.
0: Mice or rats.
1: Okay, smaller. Smaller. Dustin, I'll give you cockroaches. All right, ticks. <laughs> ticks. Oh
2: yeah,
3: Black-legged oh, nice. ticks,
1: especially Thank the you, ones possums. that spread yeah spread Lyme disease, okay. which uh, is a serious thing. So that's a good thing. That is good. Uh, possums are the only North American what. And it starts with an M. And Darren, you were naming off, mm, yeah, 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 marsupials. Marsupial. Darren, marsupials, nice work. These you were naming both. off some no uh, Australian marsupials. Nice work to both Lisa and Darren. Uh, we they have a few interesting um, uh, characteristics. They are largely immune to to two things that help them to be quite uh, resilient. Like they, like they can handle a couple things. Uh, with other animals. They're, res- they're
0: immune to what? Rabies?
1: Rabies is one. Nice work, yes, Lisa. Lisa. And another animal that will often kill other animals, these guys can sometimes withstand their bite. Any guesses?
2: Like do you guys have bobcats or anything like that, Link? <laughs>
0: Ah. No,
1: no mink or bobcats or lynx or, uh, uh, it's venom from snakes. Oh, so they are, they sometimes have an immunity to venom from yeah. cottonmouths and rattlesnakes. And the last one is what does playing possum mean? Does anyone know that saying And playing possum?
3: What in, does that mean? In South Korea or Australia or Canada? A- anywhere. Really? Is this it's an idiom? A, it's
1: a state. If someone says, <laughs> uh, they're playing possum, what are they doing?
2: Are they sleeping and just sort of missing, like they're just taking a nap and not doing what they're supposed to be doing?
3: Yeah, playing dead. There, very,
1: very, there we go. There we go. So this is my fast fact before we go to the blessing. Possums have several defense mechanisms, including growling, belching, and urinating when threatened. However, their most famous defense mechanism is playing possum, similar to playing dead. However, the mechanism isn't the opossums pretending. It's actually an involuntary reaction a lot like fainting. It causes the opossum to seize up. When in this state, opossums sometimes also bare their teeth, foam at the mouth, and produce foul-smelling fluids from the anal glands to mimic its (laughs) sickness. Once catatonic, an opossum can remain like that for how many hours? Give me a number.
2: Three, two,
0: eight, 18.
2: Yeah.
1: Four. Darren is uh, (laughs) an effective deterrent against predators. Typically avoid that, carrion. So uh, there you go. The opossum of St. Catherine's. I learned so much looking into that. Darren, can you give us a blessing?
2: Yeah, I'd love to. Um, and I had one picked out, but then when I heard, and I know this won't be relevant when it goes goes live, but um, that there's a few of us enjoying a snow day tomorrow. I figured I had to change my blessing. So here's a blessing, um, listeners, Lisa, the rest of the participants. May God invite you to lean on Him as you lean into unexpected rhythms of work and rest. Hmm. May God nurture your attentiveness for students, their cares, their hurts, and their celebrations. May you be a source of hope in a world that often seems hopeless, so that your enthusiasm for life and learning empowers students to see themselves as God's chosen and loved. And may your enthusiasm be a contagious connection to the love of Christ. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Stay encouraged, educators.
0: We want to thank Christian Schools Canada for sponsoring the podcast. Please know that the views and opinions
3: expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CSC, the
0: schools of our guest, or any of our three regional organizations. Thanks for listening.